into the ground. We're back. Another week. Another great guest. As always. This one's especially fun. Uh, we got... <laughs> fucked it up already. <laughs> Creator of Headroom Joe. Studios. <laughs> we got a guitarist in Hopalong and Algernon Cudwalder. We got Joe Reinhardt here. What's up, Joe? Hey. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I was wondering what, like, two bands you were going to choose. Yeah. <laughs> Not the two I would have gone with, though. So oh, yeah? Well, something well, about us. What was your choice? Like Lions. Ah. Dogs on Acid. Yeah. Come on. Oh, I did forget it. Dogs on Acid is a current band that is still active, if I'm not mistaken, right? In some capacity? Uh, incorrect. Okay. I didn't do any research. That's okay. Neither did I. I was like, who are these people I'm talking to? What is this for? Yeah. Uh, no, one, no one really knows. We're going we're gonna to try to get you to buy into our Bitcoin scheme at the end. But... Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm a sucker. NFTs to sell you. Uh, but yeah, so you're, you're happy to have you on. Uh, it's been kind of a, a little long time coming. I'm excited. But uh, yeah, we used to see each other in, in, in the pit at the VFW shows a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's nice to be to be back at it in a in a very uh, administrative setting. It seems it's very official. <laughs> yeah, the Zoom yeah. Meeting. This is this is my my beach house. Yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> that I personally own. This is what all those Hi, Algernon. Uh, you sold your your Hi. back catalog. Hi. I can't hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you sold your back catalog of the Algernon seven inch uh, and and <laughs> bought yourself a beach house, right? Yeah, we made we made a uh, NFT of the uh, the demo. It's just it's just gold plated and it spins. And, uh, <laughs> you can't actually listen to it. I haven't worked but, a day uh, since then. You know that's smart money right there. Yeah. <laughs> do, you ever think of, do you ever think of pulling a Wu Tang and being like, "We're gonna auction off one song that will be yours to do whatever you want with"? Definitely. I think now is your opportunity. I think yeah. you're right. Now more we can, than ever, we can sell it only on the Run Into the Ground Patreon. <laughs> yeah. which you know, we could really use that bump, actually. <laughs> yeah, of course you want to do this for us for some reason. Um, <laughs> but even if there's like someone out there willing to. Spend, a, spend an exorbitant amount of money on that like a it would be hilarious oh absolutely. jokes on them and see we could just like donate the money to something cool yeah 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 like give it to somebody who needs it and be like some knucklehead paid all this for this thing i Here yeah i love that i love a good knucklehead yeah if i can be honest <laughs> i love taking some rich dickheads money and then donating it to something Ex they would be like directly opposed to, to something you know? they would hate yeah <laughs> yeah classic move yeah but yeah so you're uh you're on tour right now right so correct. with uh with hop along correct with hop along and uh saturn's opening amazing how's yeah. how's that going i my roommate just saw you guys recently in central park which has got to be a wild experience to play yeah it was it was wild because i remember being i think i was 20 and saw elvis costello on wow. the same stage wow that's cool and uh my uncle was buying me beers and like, cause he lived in New York uh, a long time ago. And he was like, I'm pretty sure there's a rule that if it's just like in a brown paper bag, you can kind of do whatever. <laughs> it's so true. So Very we were like getting rules. in cabs in like Central Park and Times Square, like just brown bag and beers. And I wasn't yeah. even 21 yet. And you know, after the fact, he's like, oh, that, that, was, that wasn't a rule. Uh, you know, <laughs> as long as you don't get caught, you know, you can't break a rule if you don't get caught, you know? exactly laws only exist if if you, if you get busted if you acknowledge Correct. them um, <laughs> sovereign citizen joe reinhardt and his uncle over here <laughs> is uh is steve Papani on tour with you 
He is not okay on tour with us. Uh, although I have been chatting with him. Love Steve via text message. Yeah. So it's uh, it's you've been really busy lately with a lot of cool announcements. Uh, I mean, number one being the Algernon reunion. Uh, I want to get right into that because how did that actually come about? Like you guys have been broken up for now, like what ten years, right? At this point? Yeah, I think the 10 year of our last show would have been, I guess it was uh, like now-ish. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So what what kind of kind of got you to get the, to get the group back together, get the gang back together? You know, it's obviously something that like, you know, offers had, you know, popped up along the way over the last 10 years. And we're like, oh, that'd be the that Coachella, the Coachella yeah, headlining the Coachella slot, you know, the, you know, first band to play on the moon and that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're like, nah, nah, nah. And then eventually we we're like, well, yeah, someday that'd be cool. And then at some point we we're like, oh wait, does everybody want to do this? Right. And then like literally, we all got on a call to talk about it. And the next day, we were on the phone with uh, uh, a booking agent, uh, actually Hopalong's booking agent, who was the first person to ever book Algernon, actually when we did the Joris Manor tour, yada, 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 Merrick. And the day after that, we had like potential tour dates. So <laughs> over the course of four days, I went from not, there not being an Algernon reunion tour to I, I'm looking at a list of tour dates and I have to learn how to play a lot of shit fast. <laughs> we, we actually, I, I referenced that uh, on the episode we did the other day that'll be out. Uh, it'll be out before this does. But just uh, the idea of... I think you guys mentioned watching YouTube kind of play along and like cover videos to relearn how to play mm-hmm. your songs again. I, yeah, I mean, I can't That's imagine. That's going to be such a boom for that industry now. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be so many more. <laughs> there's about, you bring on YouTubers as consultants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would, I would happily. It's uh, just bring them on the play. You guys can sit in like lawn chairs on the side of the stage and just do kind of a, a nice little like <laughs> holding our drinks. Be like, very good, very good. Yeah, yes. it's it's like when the Foo Fighters invite someone up on stage to play guitar for him or something. You know? Yeah, yeah I think you could pull that off again. Mm-hmm. Like we can get people to pay for these things. We're, this is a financial advising podcast. <laughs> Perfect. I need it. <laughs> How can we scam people into oh doing God. things for us? I mean yeah. that that that's capitalism in a in a hole. So I think I think we're on to something. Well, I have all my merit money buried in a hole. Oh, that's well. So. If it's not invested in beach property, you know? tell me where that hole is. <laughs> no, where in the whiz is it? <laughs> it's not but, there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, it's pretty wild because you got everybody back, like all the original members, and from from different eras of Algernon, right? Like you have both Tank and Nick. Playing drums simultaneously, I believe is how that's God, no. Okay, it's not simultaneously? <laughs> no. Because we, we've talked on this podcast oh. multiple times how cool bands are that have two drummers. Well, I'm going to start a rival podcast saying the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-two drummers. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Pat Ford, please bubble. close your ears. Yeah, Pat Ford of Colossal would be so sad. Him. There's two drummers in Colossal? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was news to us, no, too, actually. Yeah, Pat Ford told us. <laughs> yeah, apparently they're no. like, they're final. Yeah. There's a video of them online that I'll send it to you when we're done. It's so good of them playing with two drummers. And I'm like, holy shit. It's like one of the few live videos of Colossal that exists. And, and I'm like, holy shit, it sounds so good with two drummers. And he's like, oh, yeah, actually, we played most of our shows with two drummers. And I'm like, what? Okay. 
Very strange, but because I saw them at Temple, and there was not two drummers. I think I think it was kind of a thing that they unless there was may <laughs> unless there, they didn't have it unless they did. Yeah, where'd they play the Owl? The Owl's Cove. Yeah, oh, loved it. Yeah, yeah. The it was uh, shout out Pat Ford. He was such a fun guest. But yeah, yeah, two drummers. So what? Why don't you like two drummers outside of the the logistical nightmare of having two drummers? uh well I'm, I'm sure it has its place uh i don't think it exists in our punk band but um you know like when you're trying to focus on something when i focus on something in music like this is just me personally okay. uh you know there's the beat and the melody and when one of those things is smushed or jeopardized or not as easy to grab onto then I'm like kind of taken out of it. Like if I'm not like okay. nodding my head, if there's not a right. clear spot to nod my head and like, yeah. you know, if things are flaming, it would drive me. And I'm not talking about like percussion and like cool bleeps and blops and other things that have, uh, you know, rhythmic importance, but just like that main beat is like, that's a dope beat. That's a great melody. I like this thing now. And to jeopardize that would uh, bum me out. Yeah. That's actually a pretty astute <laughs> explanation. Actually, <laughs> I get it. Because, uh, yeah, I remember seeing uh, when My Heart to Joy did, I think, their final show, they had two drum. you know, they had Alan and they had um, Steven, uh, wow. and and they decided to play the final show together. Right. And it, it somehow worked out. But it, there is something, when it's done well, it it can be done well. But I think it has to... I guess yeah. There's times it probably wouldn't be the most like if you're just if two people are just playing the same like D beat over and over again. It's just that'd be my nightmare. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it's rad that you got everyone back together though, like that, and everyone was just super stoked to do it because notoriously Nick uh, Taza loves uh, leaving bands as soon as they get big. <laughs> so. How far into the tour is he going to get before he's like, nah, this is too popular. Now I got to, I got to head I out. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, th- I'm giving him the first practice just to be like, you guys are all fucking nuts. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, but we, we actually have um, the, I mean, I've been in bands with Nick since then. Yeah. Uh, since he, he was in dogs uh, and, uh, dogs yeah. and acid, right? Yeah. And we, you know, we, I think we've probably had like, you know, jams and little joke bands since then as well. But uh, the original guitarist, Colin Mahoney is going to be with us as well. And like, it was pretty much like him and I in my parents' basement. It was like, let's do something. And then I think we met Nick at a party and we were all, you know, drinking, screaming. I think, you know, Nick's band had played, our old band had played, and he was just after hanging out. I was like, we should start a, a band. And Nick's like, yeah, let's rip off American football. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, you know, when you're younger, everyone's like, let's start a band, but we like only write songs about like our favorite pizzas, and like we can only do it in like drop F minus, and you know, sure. what I mean? like when you had time to play in a hundred bands, and everyone's like, that's a really good idea, right? Uh, so this was like another one of those things, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, now here I am talking about it. Yeah, I mean, later. it's it's so. <laughs> I have a funny history with Algernon in general, just because I feel like I was around the periphery of it forming and then didn't really appreciate it until a little bit later. Like, I, I've known Nick for... He also wants to come on the podcast, so we're just going to have every member of Algernon on before the reunion shows happen Great. at some point. But uh, Nick is someone I've known since I was, like, 15 years old. He was the drummer in a new metal band... <laughs> Which is amazing. It is on Spotify as well, uh, which is very funny to hear. But I knew him through that, 
and then he used to work at the Radio Shack, uh-huh. uh, literally like in the same shopping complex as the grocery store I worked at when I was like 15, 16 years old. And I would go over there on lunch breaks and like talk to him and he would like play me music on on the computers at Radio Shack. <laughs> like That's I remember awesome. him playing me like Minus the Bear for the first time. But I was at some of the early like Algernon like firehouse shows in Bordentown, like the Hope Hose Firehouse. And I remember, yeah, because like Marigold would play and then Nick would just like stay at the drum kit and then just play for you guys. And I I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast already, but like the Marigold, that record is so good. Uh, and then I sent you that flyer, the the poster from that show. Right. That had, I don't know if you were still in Like Lions at the time during that show. I think so. The okay. show seems very, very familiar. Yeah, because that would have been, yeah, Tank on drums playing for Zoloft, which we've been bringing up Zoloft a lot on this podcast lately. I think they're very underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tank was in Zoloft at the time, and then, yeah, Nick was in Marigold, and you were in Like Lions, and then it was it was probably around the time you were practicing with, with Algernon, most likely. Well, there that- was no crossover between Like Lions and Algernon. Like, oh, Algernon, Algernon came to be because Colin and I sort of got kicked out of Like Lions. Mm. Oh. Okay. And we were like, well, that sucks, but uh, <laughs> let's just, I mean, let's, I've been in bands my whole life. Well, let's start another band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then I Peter was a... on tour. Sorry, and Peter was on tour, and we we're like, "Well, we need someone to sing." It's like, "Well, it should obviously be Peter, and he's a great bass player." But he was like in a hundred bands. He was already on like a two month tour with one of them. Yeah, and we're like was... let's just call him and see if he wants. Let's text him, and we just was like, "Yo, you want to be in this band? It's me, uh, Nick Taza, and Colin." And he just wrote back, "Yeah, cool." <laughs> what uh, what band was in was Peter in at the time? It might have been Demore or Peter and Craig. Okay. All right. Some iteration of that. Yeah. It was such a, like the, the crossover of that era, especially in like the PA scene was so, so wild. Cause so much stuff came out of that. Cause there was the whole big split of uh, this day forward. And then mm-hmm. that became like Marigold and that became circuit survive. And, mm-hmm. But also, uh, like, a thousand other bands. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, everyone was just trading members all the time, you totally. know? And it, it, it was kind of like its own, like, kind of like the Long Island scene was a lot like that at the time, too. It's just, like, everyone, especially, like, Nick, too. Like, everyone, when you find a good drummer, like, everyone needs a drummer all the time. <laughs> totally. But, uh, yeah, it's... It, I remember seeing you guys, like, super early on, like, way before I was listening to, like, knew who Cap'n Jazz was or any of, like, the stuff that you guys were influenced by, and I had, like, such a small frame of reference to even describe what you guys sounded like at the time. It was so fun. I think the closest thing I came to was, like, Minus the Bear. Like, that was the most n- noodly math music I'd, I'd heard at the time, and it was, uh, and it's like, yeah, man, I should have bought those records. They're worth a ton of money now. I could have <laughs> had that beach house, you know? <laughs> Well, instead, then, I bought, instead, I bought the, the, the misspelled Marigold Digipack CD. Whoa, that was a thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, I think on the spine, uh, the spelling is all fucked up. It's very funny. <laughs> I'm sure it still bothers Nick to this day. Yeah. Joe, um, you own a recording studio, I understand? Correct. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, Headroom is incredible. A lot of great oh, records have come out of that. Um, I had two big questions for you. Number one, um, you guys have recently, or uh, you know, recently had uh, Mike Brenner 
able to play on like as a studio musician to play on people's stuff like mm-hmm. how did that come how did you guys meet up with him how did that how did that all come about Fuck. um i'm not totally remembering i think somebody was aware of the fact that he was like a philly guy right. now and also a you know anything involving a slide legend right and so i, I think once one artists kind of found out like we were like telling people anytime someone was like oh it'd be really great if we had a this and we were like well we got a guy right and it was also during like the height of uh covid where we were like trying to sort of offer these like remote services or just sure. trying to figure out a way to like you know keep our employees working right because you guys uh, were, uh uh who was it that was doing drum sessions too shane woods was doing a lot right of them. right yeah i mean i just remember i I don't think I had ever seen a studio push um, that, you know, session musician in that way. And it was really like, of course, that makes sense. Like, of course, that opens up so many songwriters to be able to, you know, flesh out ideas and stuff. So that was really, you know, such an awesome thing. Thanks. No, it was exciting, you know, because I mean, everyone's making records in their bedroom and they're like, well, this sounds like I made it in my bedroom. But if I get some like real drums on it by like someone who can play and it was recorded well. Right yeah man that's right that's yeah that, that's a really cool thing to pitch especially in yeah and the aspect of just keeping everyone working and 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 being able to like not have to get little <laughs> like office yeah. jobs during the pandemic like i know so many people who dropped out of the creative world to like find something stable yeah, like i feel whatever so, that means yeah, yeah well so. nothing there's no stability anywhere yeah but uh, like I, I like working in the creative world uh, as a photographer. I feel so many people exited the in- industry in the last couple of years. That now that like people who kind of stuck it out, it, it's been busy, you know. Oh, good. Yeah. But it's like as long as you like make it to that other, it's just getting to the other side is so tough. Yeah. How but, many did you did you do a lot of records during you know over the past couple of years? Yeah, I did. Like right when the shit hit the fan, it it was downtime. I was like wrapping up what I had, but mm-hmm. also. You know, waking up, playing guitar, dicking around on Ableton. Um, that was like for two months ish. Right. And then all of a sudden, people who were also had free time started making records. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, they would either quarantine, go to a studio, or make them at home. Then all of a sudden, I got like swamped. Right. And it was like, because, you know, people needed things mixed and I was, I could yeah. mix from home. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. super nice. Um, so, yeah, I got a lot of work, which was. Yeah, what the, <laughs> Chris, what, uh, you know, I shouldn't complain, but yeah, I, right. I was good problem. I, at some but. point, when you're like only looking at a computer for like <laughs> for like twelve hours a, a year day. straight, you're like, yeah. I have zero attention span, and also I want to rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I can't stare at waveforms anymore. Uh, no, no, no. It was, it was. I do it for two hours a week, and it's already too much. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I, I at one point during that time. Uh, I had a dream, and all the people were colors of the waveforms. Oh my God. Like the like the Pro Tools like automatic colors. Like I, everybody <laughs> walked into the room. I was like, Ah, you're yeah. not purple. Yeah, blue guy. What's up? Blue guy. Damn. I was oh like, my God. I need too to much like, editing. Yeah, blue guy. Had a cat and walk outside or do fucking something. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Is is uh has Headroom always been? Because when did you start Headroom? You've been. You've been running that place for a while, right? Yeah, well, 
pretty much kind of during the first Algernon record, making it in like, you know, different bedrooms that I was living in in West Philly um, and a little bit of the Drexel studios. I met Kyle. And so we're just like, let's just put our gear in one spot. And that just sort of was the start of it, really. Was that was that Big Mama's house? That was the first time all our gear came together. Yeah. Like I had setups in my bedrooms where I'd like push the mattress against the wall and my bedroom was 98% recording studio and 2% oh, yeah. I sleep here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> is, uh, is, is the studio still in Big Mama's house? Is that still a, a place no. that exists? All these years no. later? No. Um, we were probably there for like eight ish, seven ish years. Yeah. But it was great because. I mean, well, that was wild, it was like the, it was like the fucking best place it was yeah you know uh like the foot soldiers hang out but we weren't <laughs> bad people you know what i mean but it was like you know yeah. ramps, like recording yeah, yeah. studio the, like yeah the, the graffiti on the walls yeah you know, like a kegerator just eating like pizza constant shenanigans yeah <laughs> i never heard it described like that but it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's like the the home base in hackers you know yes exactly <laughs> is what it was but uh, eventually we moved out of there to this place called the Viking Mill, which was, uh, you know, a bunch of different artists residents. And we took over a studio and since, you know, improved upon it. But, you know, that era is sort of coming to an end as well. But that's a whole yeah, other story. I, I was just told that that building's being sold. It is. It had been. I mean, the owner was old and he was like ready to ready for, you know, sure. to collect his retirement check and live with his cows in the woods. But um, so we, it was sort of on our plate for a while. So we knew the day was coming. So we're making moves. We're not necessarily worried or stressed about it. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. yeah that, I feel well, that era of Philly was such a special time too. not to like wax super nostalgic, but like. That time of people like living yeah, on in a, a nostalgia podcast. Yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, nostalgic. But no, like that that era of like the Philly house show and like the Philly loft show was like so specific, and there were so many different spaces like that. Like, um, was it Hong Kong Garden and the Ox, and uh, you know, in some ways like Golden Tea House, just legendary like DIY house venue locations like the ox i think was one of the best uh did you ever go to the ox joe oh yeah like they had like the movable wall in the back to like change the size of the room if they needed to uh just like i guess it was it's also it happened later than like what the, the new york loft era but uh you know that's gone you know long ago too but just the idea of like being able to like have such a large space to yourself and like split amongst like a group of people but you know the ox had like their live space was like the size of the church you know no, like it was, it was, it was huge awesome. yeah uh and you know big mama's house was no no slouch in terms of space either like just having so much room to be creative i think it's so hard to come by now at least like in a metro major metropolitan city and for like a price that actually makes sense you know like even the days of living yeah. cheap in Philly is is tough. Yeah, I mean, I, the punk spaces and the, the you know the show houses, all it, it all still exists. You know, having like one foot in the grave and one foot still in touch with what the fuck is going on. Because yeah. you know, I, I do record bands and you know hear about it and ask a ton of questions. Like, yeah, all those things that we like thought were awesome still exist. They're just you know, I'm not you know standing in a basement three times a week. You know. Right. Uh, 
yeah. smoking on the patio and drinking paps. Is there, is there long, like a but. new is there like a new neighborhood for that? Or is it all spread out? It's all spread out because a lot of that stuff still comes from like a group of people renting a spot and they're like, let's fucking trash the basement. Right, I think right. what you, you're referring to as far as like the larger spaces, yeah. right, a lot of that is gone. Like yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of the development has just like, you know, the big, cool, um, the how does this place fucking exist type of situation. Right. Oh, yeah. There was a is, lot of that. Would be even more so now if you were to run into it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, we we do talk about that a bunch. Is is just that idea of like we can't picture uh, the kind of scene that we grew up in existing today. But I think it's mainly because we're just so far removed from it. At least myself and Andrew are. I mean, you're a bit more connected as a touring musician and someone who works with you know younger bands and active bands and things like that. So you'd probably have more of a perspective on it than we do. But I guess that's everybody is like, oh, things just aren't the same today as they were when I grew up, you know? And I think it just comes with the territory of getting older. Joe, this brings me to my next question. Um, for you specifically, what's cool right now? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, and this is only, you know, because I, I don't know what's going on in, like, DIY music right now. Like, what's, what's the vibe? Give me the temp. The the temp is the same sort of feelings I've always felt about, at least in Philadelphia. I can't, I'm not as connected all right. over, but I, the vibes are usually similar from what it was. Um, you know, saying, saying something isn't there anymore or it's different, it's not really the case because I still come across the same excitement the same you know people packed in a basement like cheering their heads off or their friend's band or the band they right. just heard found out about and it's the same like welcoming environment you know i think I, i've mentioned this before where i think it's like it's like such a good incubator for younger artists because like everybody's so open and like willing to hear things there's no pretense there's no like I'm old and fucking jaded. Like it's still new and excited for everybody. Yeah. Like everybody's gone. like anybody can. Yeah, probably <laughs> like anybody can form a band. The band right. can fucking suck and they'll have the opportunity to get better because right. people aren't going to be like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing yourselves. They're going to stand there. They're going to watch it. They're going to nod their heads and the band's going to be like, Oh, we did pretty good. And maybe they become a good band. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Or like, you know, somebody gets up there with a guitar and it's fucking awful. Well, it's because they just went to college and started like, Oh, I like writing songs. Yeah. But like the, 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 the wholesomeness and like the, the, the support in the, the community is still as strong as I ever remember it being. And, you know, I, I think that's awesome because I remember going to shows and being like, this is terrible, but people are like nodding their heads, giving this a chance. Like it's just a, the, the, the environment is just, you know, magical. Yeah. It's, it's a, I don't know if this is happening as much in like the punk world, uh, but like in the music world for sure. And, I, and actually another like close analog to it is uh, like friends in the comedy scene. It's like so many people got, famous over like internet videos like comedians especially like they're big on tiktok they've never done an open mic in their life but they go out and then now all of a sudden they're selling out venues across the country and there's like kind of an analog with that with bands like there's i don't have any like names off the top of my head but like bands who do really well recorded 
YouTube sessions, or they're, like, guitar influencers, or uh, just people who are, like, now big in, like, the newer side, newer, in quotes, media of, like, YouTube and streaming and Instagram and, and TikTok, who, like, are kind of skipping a lot of that stuff. And, I mean, I guess that's kind of analogous to the bands that, like, somehow their debut record is on a major label, you know? But it's not, I'm not, I don't know where I'm going with this in terms of, like, it's not a paying your dues thing, but... I feel like there is a little bit of a lack of that basement aspect of like being able to go up there and suck, you know, in public <laughs> before you start developing the skills and the and the time to get better. People are kind of able to do that from home with recording technology. These just a more democratic access to technology, I guess. So you are anti gatekeeping? I don't understand. I'm a little of both. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, oh, I it's cool that people like can do all this stuff from home at like up pretty semi-professional scale in terms of recording software and, and video and and you know being able to get your music out there is probably some of the easiest it's ever been in history uh it kind of levels that playing field a little bit but i feel like at the same time gets lost because there is so much out there you know what gets lost like because there is such global access to put things on the internet like oh, there's I, I, it's I, just like a wave instead sure. of like it's harder to kind of it's harder for certain things to shine through because there is just so much to dig through to get to that stuff sometimes yeah i think the stuff that gets really popular fast is you know not the norm right okay like the stuff that just soars to the top faster you know so a label scoops them up or a management scoops them up or the internet just starts throwing money at them i mean that's great good for them yeah. But like, that's not going to happen to most people. And even when it does it, you know, maybe there, I know of labels that do scoop those things up and they make a ton of money and it's like, maybe not that cool, but they're putting out cool records. You know, they're yeah. putting out the, that band's, you know, first full length, uh, cause their EP was good, but you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it, it does balance it itself out and the yeah, fact I guess that it, that happens i'm not like oh well you didn't earn this look good for you fucking whatever you know yeah well no yeah it's i never i hate doing like the oh like the old man like you didn't pay your dues bullshit but i guess there's something i, I was just referring to because we had talked to like keith from count your lucky stars we talked to fred from triple crown like and it's that like new idea of how mm -hmm. they're discovering new bands Fred's like kind of cutting cool. through that I yeah mean, they're doing Cool stuff with the wax bodega yeah. exactly yeah and i mean fred's always I like that good... model i think it's when they first told me about that i was like why is nobody doing this this is yeah. really you it, know it's, it's fan friendly it's a very cool yeah no they're they're doing some really cool stuff over there and it was it was here like exciting to hear him like explain it to us because i had no idea either and yeah and i think it's a really good way to approach things that i think is yeah it's ahead of the curve in terms of how a lot of other labels and stuff are are still kind of on the old model, you know, and they're not mm -hmm. kind of evolving. But I mean, I can't imagine just having to listen to that much <laughs> stuff. I mean, that's always been the burden of a label, you know, uh, especially if you don't have like a proper A and R. So, you uh, or or a, a a recording engineer, right? I mean, how much stuff do you have to listen to? That's true. Um, I mean, I listen to it if I get hit up. That right. that's about it. I mean, I don't. I wish I did go looking for new music. I wish I did listen, remember to listen to half the things people tell me to listen to. Uh, right. It's just that when I'm not listening, I don't want to be. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Are you like a <laughs> podcast guy when you're. Uh... I'll, I'll put on jazz if I'm making breakfast or dinner, or I'll do, you know, news in the morning, but like I'm not putting on 
music because I'm doing it all day long. Yeah, yeah. It's you get and if I do like you know you have the brain fart and you're like, what should I put on? It's like I'll yeah. put on this uh, thing that I always listen to, yeah, that, but I kind of don't really even want to fucking listen to it because I could right. sing it right back to you right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's always tough. People's relationship with music, whose job it is to do music, and it everyone kind of has a slightly different like coping mechanism for it to just not get burnt out, you know? Because it's 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 definitely easy to do. I mean, I feel it myself all the time, and I don't have any aspect like even just listening to stuff for this podcast sometimes. Yeah, totally. I mean, I wish I listened to more stuff because it's it's all new ideas. You know, I could put it in the the I I could steal little parts of it and put it in the idea bank, just like Mm, you know, yeah. You, just like forming any band it's like you know our bands are just crappy versions of the things we like yeah yeah or combinations of those yeah things. so like i you know i wish i did have more for the uh you know the idea box joe i have another recording question um you know i just because i you know it's something i always wanted to do i went to school for it i was bad at it oh really where'd yeah, you go i went to the art institute okay the bad one <laughs> is it but, bad <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, like a predatory institution for sure. Like, I learned a lot. I got to mess around on like an It doesn't SSL exist console. anymore, right? No, it does not. I love, it's a, I love it's that. It's a Uniglow now. I love that neither of our college, <laughs> I, I love that neither of our for profit universities that we went to exist anymore. My photo uh, school doesn't exist anymore either. Wow. <laughs> but so, what, a, like, is there something that people come to you specifically for? Um, or like, do you, is there something you do that's different or, you know, like, do you think there's something like your lens, you know, do you know where I'm going with this? Anybody I, please I help me? guess, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a little hard to answer. Cause I don't know. Like I've, I haven't worked alongside other engineers and the, when I have, it's like, we all do the exact same thing. Like right. there's not there's nothing someone's gonna tell you or teach you that's gonna rot. You're gonna be like, oh my god, and like your life instantly changes because you do something differently. But um, yeah, I don't see. I feel like a lot of times I'm like the the new the first record guy. You know, I'm I'm yeah. not getting like uh, some huge bands like follow up. I'm um, I'm like the uh, your you know your first step into you know some part of this industry right. is like what I get hired for yeah. and I'm okay with that and I'm down with it because everybody's excited like they you know uh, they're like you know asking questions they just want to do the best they can and you know I get a lot of excitement out of you know telling them something it's like oh shit well I didn't think of it like that yeah. or you know well, and- it's yeah it's cool to be like especially with a band that is that fresh like. That yeah, that's an energy that's not always able to be recaptured in in any follow up or even in the future of the band in general. Like finally getting this stuff on record, you know, is that's got to be such a unique energy to get out yeah. of a band. I don't know if you've noticed, but you are not a grumpy guy. You don't <laughs> appear to me to be a grumpy guy. I feel like most, you know, not most. Actually, this is going to be totally speculative. So let me know what you think, mm-hmm. but. Most bands would record with somebody, uh, you know, based on like a financial need. Like I know, like my first recording was with the most jaded human being in Glassboro, New Jersey. Um, you know, and it was the wildest experience. I'd never been in that experience before. But he was such like a jerk off, like such a grumpy Gus. <laughs> it was like wow. hard to play an instrument, and I well, feel like you're not like that. 
I do hear those horror stories sometimes. I'm just like, well, I don't know why, but also well, sucks to suck, you know. That was <laughs> right. uh, that. Well, we we just had we just had Keith on and uh, Keith from from Count Your Lucky Stars and and yep. Empire Empire and Hi, Keith. he talked about what's <laughs> up, Keith, and he told us like the horror story he had recording with Ed Rose. Wow, and like same deal. Like that seems yeah. crazy. It, listen, if you go back and listen to the episode, he I, I've never actually heard Keith be mean about anybody ever ever and he had some like he was like i there he recorded uh their last record with ed rose and then he literally scrapped it and was like i can't i can't do this oh, anymore. Wow. Like, what do you I, say about it i guess i could ask him not on <laughs> podcast about something else but i'm very curious because that guy makes great sounding records yeah he, he i mean he's done they, some of my favorite like records but they're also like oh, yeah. i was that, old enough to know that like this sounds good and this excites me for a that's reason. i think that's right. part of the reason was i mean that's i guess probably the big reason anyone chooses any producer to record their stuff is like their past catalog you know i and, think that's the biggest thing you're right or they're yeah. in a band that they like or something yeah. yeah, well, I, I remember Dad's recorded Ameri- like their first LP with um, the guy who did the My Heart, the Joy LP, because they loved how that sounded. Right. Uh, was who it was for- that again? Format Audio in Haverhill. Uh, I think the guy turned into like a crazy right winger, so I don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he had a small studio in, in Haverhill, Mass. And, uh, but yeah, it was like, oh, he recorded the My Heart, the Joy LP, so we want our record to sound that good. And they went to him, but yeah, I think I think that's a big thing. But yeah, the thing is with with Ed Rose, he was just like, yeah, like our personalities just did not; they just clashed, you know. Well, that and, can happen, sure. Yeah, but that's I mean that's the same thing. Uh, we can you know transition a little bit into talking about owls. But uh, last week's episode, we talked about shellac, and uh, and just kind of the legacy of Steve Albini. And this owls record was produced by Steve Albini. Correct. Who picked it, who picked Shellac? Uh, it was the guy from uh, Chris Cote. He was in the band Cut You Up. Yeah. No. That, yeah. Uh, that yeah. The Riding with Vans with Boys uh, tour where they with uh, what was it? Yeah, Blink One Eighty Two and and Green Day, and they were like the band they brought on for fun. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it was really it was really really fun. Chris is fantastic. Such a fun guy to talk to. Especially since we really didn't know him at all. We just reached out to him on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic conversation. That that's going to be last week's episode, but I love the the Steve Albini crossover, you know. And I think I read in the like the Owls Wikipedia page or whatever they're like if we're going to do this record, it's going to sound like this. We're going to play it live. We have to go to Albini. <laughs> and it was like a direct choice like it can't be recorded by anybody else you know i don't know why i always thought of those two things existing like apart from each other what's that for some reason like like big albini rock with like you know the polyvinyl chicago bands i just never pictured there being any crossover for some reason well albini's based in chicago right no no, i know i realize that's what i'm saying regional legend so right i guess it makes sense um, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, for some reason, I don't associate those two things existing. Yeah. Well, Albini, I like all. looking at his roster of things he's produced is insane. Like he, he produced like the eighth Zayo record. <laughs> like, really? Like wow. weird, weird stuff. But, uh, but yeah, the Owls, Owls record. It, it definitely, it's maybe you know, because you think of Albini, you think of the stuff he plays in Shellac, and it's just like metallic, just repetitive, like you know, it and the. It's, about as far away from the clean tones and, and weird jazzy riffs and stuff of owls, you know? So, Joe, tell me about owls. 
Not the bird. The album. <laughs> the self-titled album. Um, sure. Well, uh, I guess I get I get asked about Cap and Jazz a lot, and Cap and Jazz is fine. Right. I mean, yeah, I I <laughs> I, I put it on when I was younger, but like not a ton. Right. Uh, okay. But um, the Owls record to me was just like the first time I was like, well, I guess I was pretty high when I heard it. But <laughs> I've listened I to actually, it not wait, high since. Then. I have a really good point about this, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> um, I was just like, holy shit, you know. I mean, I, I think I probably said the same thing about like Incubus or something while I was high. But I, I digress. <laughs> Who has? Uh, I don't. I don't smoke weed anymore. But uh, <laughs> um, the where my mind was going, sort of starting to go musically, and like the things I was starting to really gravitate towards, and still do, are the things that are catchy, creative. But like you know, have like a wrench in them, right? So isn't like the, there's a straight line. There's like the thing you would think that you know somebody would do to make a song that people would like. There's 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 not there's not like not a formula, right? You know, no, you could but, be like, if right. I do this, more people will like, it. right? And that's all well and good. And I like taking that road sometimes. I like nodding my head and singing along. But uh, hearing something like that, Owl's record. It like gives you pieces of that, and then takes it away from you and makes you want it more. And then they'll give it to you again, but it's like a little twisted. And the, the the instrumentation. I I also think like everybody who plays on that record is could you know right. It, that record's kind of like the how to do that genre of music bible to me. Right. Oh, like it's so bizarre. It's uh, it's it's like, wild. It's one of the only examples of like I don't I don't even want to say overplaying because that's I hate that term, but it's yeah, so it's applicable what, what to so metric. many things. Right, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but like to have the guitar be that wild and the drums be that wild, it, like for them to get away with that in such a smart, casual, effortless way to just, it's, you don't see it a lot. And yeah. usually, you know, if one person's going nuts, two people have to hold it down, which was, you know, a lot of what Algernon did, you know, the bass and drums were just like tight to the point and like giving you like, the you know the we all used to listen to mxpx sort of feel behind this like bonkers ass guitar but that record just like i know this is just audio but i'm, I'm weaving my hands together now <laughs> uh just the, the the perfect interlocking of uh just really what i want to well, what i want to hear so before we dig further into that uh there is a question that's kind of become a running gag on this podcast that we ask our guests is what are your thoughts on tim kinsella uh, I think he's kind of a genius. I probably he would probably hate to hear that. Um, that, but uh, I don't know. He's just a regular dude who's really passionate about making music and puts out a lot of it and doesn't really give a necessarily give a fuck what people think about it. Is the impression I get? Mm -hmm. uh, I think he does it for him because he has to. Yeah, like compulsive. I it's, think I think passionate yeah. is actually probably the most concise single word to describe him. I think that probably is the best description ever anyone's had so far about him yeah it's just i mean because it's true the sound guy we brought on this tour neil uh who's upstairs and i think he walked by because he was doing his laundry he's done a lot of records with classic neil and a lot of those guys and did the second owls record so i i do get to hear a lot of uh secondhand things from him really about cool. that and you know he's just you know he's very uh 
he just keeps doing it because he has to, and it's you know what he knows. And he's you know, he also writes. He's just a smart guy who likes to be creative, and that's yeah. I think that's his source of you know getting out of your own head. Is like I mean I I am in a better mood when I do something creative. Sure. Yeah, like oh, yeah. and during the pandemic when like we were not writing and I was I there was like a year where I didn't like plug in an amp and turn it up and there was a drummer next to me. Like I was yeah. fucking cranky. And I was like, what is missing from my life right now? Oh, well, this thing that I've been doing since I was 10 is just gone. <laughs> well, that, you know? that's, that's honestly something I heard from a, like myself included, but a lot of my creative friends during the pandemic, we had the most free time like ever in our adult lives. And we also felt the least inspired to do anything creative like all at the same time and it was like this it was such a weird like weight that everything felt it's like oh i have so much time to do anything i could want to do really but i have no inspiration to go except for like see other human beings face to face but like anything else well yeah but it was it was just like i had to kind of reinvent myself in a lot of different ways you know and and it once you kind of found the groove of that it, it got better but it still took a while but like those first like six months, like same deal. It's just like, I what's stopping me from going and doing these things? Except like I don't have the energy to do it for some reason. Hmm. And I think yeah, I think it caused a lot of people to pivot. It caused a lot of people to be depressed. And uh, yeah, like so it it was a universal feeling that was very strange because it, it was such a I mean it was you know unprecedented. I think is the best word to describe it. Hmm. <laughs> uh, so owls. Um, Joe, I I want you to level with me because I had you just said something that was the something I noticed about this record that I had never noticed before, and that's this: every song feels like it introduces a new concept, and it feels like off-putting and like I don't know what's going on here, and then goes back and then gives it to you again, but it feels like pop music the second time around, like. That's interesting. Did you experience that? Am I am I crazy? Like, is that what you were saying? Please say that's what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was saying. Andrew <laughs> craves uh, acceptance and reinforcement. Nail on the head. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, does that make sense? Is that an assessment that? Uh... Uh, I th- I think the second time you hear it, you're more like, oh yeah, give it to me. Right. So I, I think, it, you know, there. maybe calling it pop music, maybe not, but like that you'll have a similar reaction. It's right. still that same sort of visceral, like, okay, yes, more. This pleases me. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to go back to the thing you said about listening to it when you were high, because that's something Andrew admitted to me regarding that. So I, I don't smoke weed <laughs> myself, but Andrew called me, uh, well, I'll let him say, but he called me specifically like an hour before he started recording just to like, Give me a heads up about no, why you... Look, all I said was... I'm going to be a little high today, so if you can no. take the lead on this one. Well, yes. But also... Well, that's, that's every episode. Um, I, I, This record is maybe the only record that I've ever felt like my interest in it is completely in ratio with the amount of marijuana I've ingested. Mm. Like... <laughs> There have been times this week where I'm like, this is art. Like, this is the greatest record ever made. And that's, you know, after that uh, Ghost and Vodka record, come on. This is a, it's a whole group of people who can play guitar amazing. Yeah. The musicianship of this band is unbelievable. The fact that Mike Kinsella alone is as talented as, 
is, let alone the entire Kinsella tribe. But the fact that Mike can play guitar the way he does, but then also play drums the way he does is fucked up. It's like unfair. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think the lot of the everybody's playing and, and even when I think of vocal melodies in my head, like, you know, it's, some of it is very much derived from something Tim would have done. Yeah, in that sort of era, well, like similar, like little Joan of Pocket or Joan of Arc stuff, like those sort of melodies are the things that pop out to me. Yeah, so, and the, the the drumming and like the way you know doing the fill, but like not coming in on the one, like doing the mm-hmm. fill over the one, and then like picking it back up on the two. So it's, it's just sort of your whole body sort of like, <laughs> like jolts back for a second. Like wait, wait, give it to me, and ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, Andrew, I had never listened to Ghost and Vodka before, and then Andrew sent me the record, and it it put a lot of more things in perspective with this record. But just on like listening to this record too, like I can't comprehend how anyone is able to play this kind of music, let alone be able to write this kind of music. Is so far afield of. I mean, I was in like a metalcore band, so my my <laughs> actual personal connection in a, in like a playing side of things is so far afield from what they're doing on this record. But I thought it was like I actually mentioned to Andrew yesterday when you picked it. I was like, I'm excited to talk to someone who can write this kind of music, right? Because I have no idea how to how to even begin. You I know? wanted to say, Joe, from what I understand, you're you're into the guitar. Uh, and you're very good at it. Uh huh. And I, I thank you. I know. But like, <laughs> how do you, you know, how do you go about play? Like, are you just? Do you start normal? Do you start with chords? Are you just like, here's a thing. Where does it come from, Joe? Tell me the secret. <laughs> uh time. Like there's no, I've I've never personally thought of myself as like, uh, I have friends that are naturally talented. You know what I mean? They can just thank you make something, <laughs> make something out of nothing and have it be good and engaging and you know it almost seems effortless. Right. Um, I am not one of those people. Anything that like I got good at or um, made something that was good or created something that was perceived as uh better than good it's because i worked myself to the bone about it like i i didn't like a rip doesn't come to me in a dream or a, you know what i mean like it's like so it, it's, it's hours done? and hours of writing and rewriting and then bringing it to the band and then like making it work with what other people are doing and rewriting and rewriting like literally like you you would think i was i um you know, a, a, a different person at like how slowly these ideas come together. But I guess I, I guess my influences push me to just try to work harder. And you don't, you know, things I always tell people are you want to be the least talented person in your band because it's going to make you work hard. Oh, it's going to make you check. a better musician and it's going to push you. And so, like, the idea of, leaving something no i can't walk away from something being like i could have done better than that. i gotta be like this is all i fucking got or this fucking rules i slayed it check this out everybody uh there's you know i I gotta be like i've exhausted all possibilities for something that is better here it is yeah i guess there's something to be said for always operating at the edge of your abilities 
Yeah. I've never approached an instrument like that because, well, I'm very technically limited, but, uh, but do you feel like that? Do you feel like you're like, yeah. I like I'm at the edge. I couldn't mm-hmm. possibly do more. Absolutely. The, uh, that's something I've always really appreciated with hop along is, uh, cause I, I, I have a lot of friends who are into hop along and, and, I love the idea that, I mean, obviously, Francis's vocals are just unreal, but almost at its core, it's it's a pop group in terms of a lot of, you know, the energy and the melody and, and things like that. But then if you actually break it down and listen to the musicianship, it's so unconventional. Like your guitar playing especially is if you kind of listen on a passive level, it just sounds like a good fucking fun pop tune. But then when you actually listen to the musicianship and the drumming and your guitar and it is so more complicated than like what comes through on like a, a passive or like a first listen. And I love that there's so much you can dig into. It. Like, I think that's what really sets Hop Along apart is just the vocals are unreal. And then the musicianship is just like not something you come across with a, a, you know, an indie band on, on a conventional level. Uh, and I think that's what makes, you know, everyone so great. Like it's it's awesome. I don't know. It's so hard to explain, but I think the fact that the music is so unconventional when you actually kind of like put it a tentative ear to it, uh, it it really sets you know you guys apart from everything else. Well, thank you for saying that's <laughs> that's nice <laughs> to hear. Uh, well, I, everybody in that band I think has the same, and I know has the same mentality. I yeah. do as far as like. This needs to be as good as possible, and am I doing the best thing here? And none of what we've done has necessarily come all that easy. There's been a lot of writing and rewriting. Yeah. And it's also everybody listens to wildly different things and has different influences that they push. Like uh, Mark would like it if the band sounded like Lamb of God. Tyler would like it if <laughs> we were more like John Prine. I'm like, we should sound like Paramore. And Francis is like coming to the table with stuff that sounds like Joni Mitchell. So when you stick all that stuff in a blender and we hash it out and, you know, every, nobody yeah. has any pretense as far as like, well, I came up with this thing. It's fucking sick. We got to use it. Yeah. If somebody else is like, well, what if it was more like this? We'll try it. And if that's better, it's like, OK, cool. Well, that's what's best yeah. for the song. Not the fact Do you that feel I want like, to you know, like, instantly. You know, Do you feel I'm like, done. you know, instantly? Do you feel like those things are just like, yes, this is immediately better? A little bit, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you do the thing where you kind of look around at each other and smile, and you're like, "All right, this feels fucking good. This is this is what that needed. That was the you know." Yeah, playing music with other people. Holy shit! Fucking wild. Yeah, it's it's the best. Tell me, what's your what's your high point of of owls of this record? Um. The high, like, uh, like, do you have, do you have, like, a if I got, if I have time to listen to one song, this is what I go to, um, or is it not that kind of record? Is no, it full, it's really not. Album? I kind of like listening to it front to back. Uh, um, I like listening to it on record. I like listening to it downstairs because I, you know, it's not huge, but it's West Philly and it's kind of like in an open sounding room, right? So that I get to hear some of the room around the room, which I like. Um, no, no, no high points. I mean, there's, I think some of them are vocal, like some of the, the notes that he goes for that like are happen at the right time. And, oh, you know, yeah. he just waits to give it to you and it's the most rewarding fucking thing. He does yeah. a lot of like sliding around 
notes. Like you don't know which way he's going to settle. And when he settles, it's like, you know, I don't know that I would have gone with that one. This is way better. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that's totally. Tim Kinsella as a whole is he's never doing the predictable thing, you know, <laughs> in any aspect of whatever he's doing. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think, like I said, I kind of joked around writing this in my notes, but it, it kind of sounds like half speed cap and jazz a little bit, you it's know? It's, oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it just kind of feels like it's so hard to talk about this record because it's so, so unconventional, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it feels like half speed cap and jazz. It feels like almost like free jazz. Some of the, some of the stuff they're doing like on the guitar and stuff, it sounds like they're not following any standard procedures at all, you know, which is, is wild to, when everything comes together, you know? I think that's what makes it so special. I think it is in a lot of instances from what I've heard. Well, I mean, Hopalong actually got to tour with Owls. Mm. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, really? No. On the... uh, it was very early. I think it was even, might have been pre-painted shut. I, wow, okay. Yeah, it was a long time. It was like, we did like very early into like being on a stage okay. for me. Because, you know, Algernon never played in any actual venue. We opened for the starting line once. Really? The truck. <laughs> wow. And that was like the only time we, that was the most amount of people we ever played to. And that was the only time we, like, you know, practically had monitors, you know, I mean, <laughs> for to some degree. But um, so very early in Hop Along, we got to do two thermal shows and wow. huge, huge thermals fan. Uh, Francis and I were, are ish. But um, then we did a Me Without You tour. And then I think immediately after that, we got asked about the owls. Wow. And I was okay. like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> was this during the, the Owls 2 era? Yes. When they, they, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Owls 2 record, totally different record than this one. Yeah. Like, very I different. Love listening to it, but um, I, I, still, I still do put it on. It's great. Sounds great. It's great. But uh, uh, why was I, what started this rant? Uh, you got the tour with Owls. Right. Uh, okay, well, so getting to talk to them, uh, going back to you know your, your free jazz comment. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's extremely accurate because there was a lot of instances like, well, what did you play there? Mm, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, so they'd great. have to like listen to the take and like try to refigure it out or just oh, do something similar, and it would also still end up being different. So you yeah. know, I, I think it is a little stream of consciousness, and some of it is catching lightning in a take. Yeah, that's. I mean, like I said, they they wanted to record. So apparently, this record was recorded live with Albini. So yeah, the, I guess it's for that. That's the only way to kind of capture this stuff in in mm -hmm. a way that sounds cohesive. And uh, but yeah, I think I was doing some research on it last night, and I forget which music outlet because like a lot of I think like Pitchfork reviewed this back in the day and actually gave it a pretty favorable rating comparatively to most Tim Kinsella stuff, they usually mm -hmm. hang them out the dry a little bit, but mm -hmm. I forget which music uh, outlet mentioned it, but they said something along the lines of this sounding like emo Captain Beefheart, which is wild. <laughs> and I, honestly, I don't know enough about Captain Beefheart. Uh, I mean, are you, are you familiar with Captain too, Beefheart at all? No, it, I couldn't name a song. I mean, this, yeah. Uh, Captain Beefheart, just like the epitome of the most unbelievably talented musicians all playing in a way that sounds like absolute garbage. I know what you're talking about now. I yeah, do know yeah. what you're talking like, about. Like, uh, Trout yeah. Mask Replica is, like, considered, like, 
an absolute masterpiece, but like mm-hmm. to someone who doesn't understand music, it and even, even people who do, it sounds <laughs> bad, but like everyone is playing music on a on a, a scale so far out into the reaches of the the world. Like everyone's playing nonsense but if you actually listen they're all like everyone's doing different polyrhythms at the exact same time <laughs> and it's 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 wild it honestly sounds exhausting it, but, it no uh, it, it's an exhausting yeah, lesson, to listen but to. it's <laughs> it's funny to think of this being like the emo version of that in the sense yeah. that it's it is such a weird interesting different take on music as a whole let alone like in this specific genre you know uh, my wife doesn't care about music like this um, which is why, you know, we, I put it on during dinner last night when we were talking about this is what we we're going to do for the pod. And, uh, and I was like, what, you know, obviously this is not in your wheelhouse, but like, what, how would you describe this? Because Good I question. feel like any way that I go to describe, like, I don't have the vocabulary to talk about this record. You mean she like didn't anything... understand it when you said it was emo Captain Beefheart? No, but I was like, <laughs> no, honey, you have to understand. I There's said. polyrhythms. Most of the ways that I feel. Feel like i would try to describe this all sound like punitive like i would never call this an emo record at all yeah like in any you know what i mean like that feels like it's doing this record injustice to call it an emo record or like call it an indie rock record or call it you know what i mean like i feel like any any way to describe it just sounds like well no of course it's not like that but it but it's also is that uh, yeah, it's like it's experimental. Um, <laughs> it did you like that her? Way around the did she like her? She's like, can we not listen what? to this anymore? Oh no, I think like again, like it, it was one of those things where like I think she found it off-putting at first and uncomfortable, um, and then a couple songs in, I think just the style started to make sense. Yeah, like yeah, you get a little rewired. Yeah, I mean, sure. especially that guitar part in the middle of uh, oh, yeah. in the middle of uh, yeah, anyone can have a good time. Holy mm-hmm. shit, are you fucking mm-hmm. for real? Yeah, it's this is a record that like falls a little bit out of uh, like in my replay zone of this era of like these projects. Uh, except for everyone is my friend is just mm-hmm. like. A ripper. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, but then, yeah, I realized like there is some like I think he references integrity and in tennis shoes in a later song as well. And it's it's uh, so he talks about it in in everyone's my friend, and then I think it comes back on one of the songs on the second half of the record as well. And uh, I just thought it was like an interesting line, or like what his purposes was to to repeat that. You know? Yeah, no, good point. I mean, I, I also love the lyrics. Oh, the lyrics are wild. They're, they're yeah. I feel they're, like these are more concise. They are. It, feel, it feels like it. It feels like, like it was a contentional. Yeah. And, and a little intentional to be a little more, you know, at least allowing people to firm their own conclusions. Right. And yeah. At least let people think they know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like, you can, you can weave a narrative yeah. in your head. With right. These lyrics. Correct. Um, man. Which uh, I'm good with. That's are all you I'm a Joan of Arc fan? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. What's your what top three Joan of Arc albums? Probably would have to be the first three. Right. Well, there's there's 
There's good stuff after that, uh, definitely. But the, uh, the last, great. the last Joan of Arc record, I think, is the one I revisit the most. Actually, oh, interesting. I just but, listened to that recently, and I don't it, think I made it through, but not for any it's reason. Probably the most conventional sounding record. Like, like Karma Repair Kit is like a genuinely good, like, alternative indie song. I'll, like, I'll, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, I also like Live in Chicago because it's long and oh, probably has so the most good. great songs. Yeah, might not have the song. best songs, but it has the most right. good songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the gap has the best songs. I, that, yeah. I, that I'm due for a re-listen. Yeah, that, it's isn't so this good. this is the the album that came out because the gap was such a flop? I think, right? What I think, uh, the owls, like I think, I think Joan of Arc broke up because of the gap. Like they put the gap out and they toured, and then no one came to the tour. Mm. Uh, and then the band got into a bunch of arguments and the split. And then they did owls. I know. Not not privy to that info. I was but reading I the Wikipedia you. last night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now I'm actually curious because uh, Chris, uh, our guest last week, his his experience with Tim Kinsella, he went and saw uh, Joan of Arc play a show to like eight people <laughs> back in the day. So, so I'm curious are, if it was during that tour. Owls are uh, label mates of yours. I guess that's true. I didn't think about that. Um, What do you, what do you think? And I, I don't, you know, the like second wave of, of Jade tree. Like I have, I have no, no knowledge about, but how, you know, was there like a, like, how do you feel about the legacy of that label? I guess is, is, is the question. I think the good overshadows the bad like the 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 stuff i grew up on is undeniable right you know having that catalog of those things that were made up most of my go-to cd binder as a kid you know what i mean like the 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 pedros and the i could i could go on it doesn't matter but uh I think I think that's the legacy and will hopefully be remembered and like whatever, you know, nonsense happened after the fact uh, is just business and you know, it shouldn't have anything to do with the music. Right. It, it's that it, the back catalog, it, the back catalog goes in so many like spider webs in so many different directions too. Um I feel like anybody with you know, cursory knowledge of scanning the J Tree web stores. Like, I've never listened to Cub Country, but I know Cub Country exists. Right. Like, right. I've never listened to Swizz, but I did have the sweatshirt because it was $25. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I remember, I remember, you know, used to scour, like, because you'd have physical catalogs right. of like yep. things. And like, you know, I would, I would read them like I was the book I was supposed to be reading for school. Right. You know, so <laughs> yeah, totally. Do you remember the initial records catalogs? Uh, I feel like you're probably younger than me, but I don't know. They were like mid nineties. Uh, I don't know. know. Yeah. That was the first, those were the first like distro, like physical catalogs. Was it a bunch of labels or is it just, well, it was, it was initial records, but they also distroed a bunch of stuff and they had their own little ranking, not ranking system, but they had their own. Like uh, anything that was like heavy, like Converge or Coles, sure. had like a little pentagram next to it. Uh, anything <laughs> that, that was like familiar. anything that was like super emo had a little house next to it. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it was it newsprint? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
And it was like oh, pretty man. small writing. There was like t-shirts in the back. Yeah, t-shirts yeah. in the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, they distributed those like Ritter Sport candies. <laughs> I know that was the weirdest thing. I think I think the uh, owner of that label just had a thing for those and imported them and was like trying to offset his import cost. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I mean, you yeah, know, once you get on a vendor list, you know, you get a little little for me. You get high on your own supply of candy yeah. bars and sell the rest at that. wholesale. I know. It's women and peanut chews. Fuck, can you imagine? <laughs> you, the peanut chews are a Philly thing, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't ever see them anywhere else. And now, I mean, they, they probably, they probably yeah. have them. There is, the there is a billboard off of ninety five that said peanut chews when South Street was punk. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> really? Like, oh. What? <laughs> yeah. Stop that. No, I can't. I didn't make it. Joe, where did you grow up? You grew up near Yardley. In Yardley. In Yardley. Do you yep. go back very much? I was in Yardley over the weekend, actually. Oh, what were you there for? Uh, I went to Pretty Bird to get coffee and mm-hmm. uh, breakfast sandwich. No, oh, Pretty like Bird. Vault. The Vault Brewery is very cross, good there. Cross from the Vault. Yeah, like all those like useful things came after we were long gone. Yeah, yeah. that little downtown section. How long yeah. has Bagel Train been there? Ooh, Since Bagel I can Train remember. Is, Bagel Train's Ooh, good. Bagel yeah. Train fucks hard. Oh, yeah, my, my parents still live there, so I go back as much as I like can. Like in Yardley proper? Like you can walk right across the, Right across from the three middle schools. Oh. So, I mean, I've, so. I've walked from the train to my parents' house a hundred times. So Right. Yeah. Not, not not walkable. Man. That's cool. Yeah, I, I grew up in Hamilton, right across the, right across the bridge. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Oh, man. I'm trying to think. So, actually, this is something funny so i was listening to last night i went down a, a whole rabbit hole of especially when i like remembered i had a picture of that poster in my room of that era of yardley centric yeah fairless hills pennsylvania music because i remember seeing like lions i remember seeing valencia all the time mm-hmm. i met uh the wonder years for the first time when they opened for valencia at like uh oh god hangar 84 or whatever mm-hmm. it was in south jersey like what a weird so much so much uh, connection to all that stuff, but uh, I went down the hole of, of, of Algernon-centric bands of that era, and just holy shit! Like, there's so much overlap that happens, and I think it was uh, Peter was just on a podcast, I believe, uh, behind the vinyl or something like that. You guys put it out on your on your page, but he talked about how it was like Anthony Green who gave him a cassette. With Cap and Jazz on one side and Braid on the other, and that was kind of like the, uh, as Peter said, it was like the triggering moment of him. Like, I guess when you guys were in Halfway to Holland, was like, oh, this kind of music exists. And yeah, I think I don't he know. had it before Halfway because when I met him, he already he got him and TJ uh, got me into that stuff. Okay, yeah, because it, but it's 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 very funny to think if that Anthony Green had his hand, into, yeah, like you guys discovering that music, and it's like how how this dude is in everything, yeah, because <laughs> totally. he really did have his hand in like everything in that in that scene for a while. It's, it's yeah, it's crazy. He sang on the Like Lines demo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was on I, a couple songs, I think. Right? Yeah. I feel like um, also shout out. Wonder Years member Nick Steinborn for getting that Like Lions demo to me recently. Uh, apart from you coming on here, I was like, man, really wish I had a copy of that demo. It was so good. And I got it. And it's still oh, so good. Can you send um, it to me? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll it'll be in a thread from three different people asking for it. Yeah. Um, well, I, so there's, 
there are a lot of like hyper regional scenes you know what i mean like it was it was big for the south jersey kids to play with like philly bands you know what i mean like that was something that was interesting about growing up sort of diy um you know what what were your like obviously your first city shows were philly shows right Mm -hmm. like what were the what were the houses when you started uh the houses well yeah, or like even before that like yeah. early memories would be like getting in the van driving to the city uh i remember like a very early show at the fire, oh, I mm. love the fire. which was which is now an unrecognizable area but yeah. uh at the time it was on it was it was very foreign to me as you know um a uh fucking 17 year old from yardley yeah <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, the fire, uh, is Owl's Cove when people started to go, Mm -hmm. people started going to college and like, you know, friends had a hand in booking, but just like those early, like, or mid high school years, uh, traveling around with them. I mean, I was always going to shows in early high school, especially New Jersey. I was trapped because I went to Notre Dame for two years, actually. Uh-huh. So traveling all around New Jersey to the ends of the earth to see, you know, Kid with Manhead or some other <laughs> Jersey punk band or whatever. But uh not the question. Uh yeah, so I the to the, the Owls Cove, I remember the Pie Lamb, the Punk Frat. I don't remember the name of the houses because they're just fucking houses. Yeah, yeah, punk right, punk right. Frat was a big one. Yeah. Um but it was oh, it was always very exciting, and you know it still is. But uh, I say there there was a lot of good like recurring venues in in that side of of like Eastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mean, Fraternal Order of the Eagles was a big one, uh, where that poster was from. Mm-hmm. But I remember, did you ever go to or play any shows at Sacred Grounds? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, my band my band played our last show at Sacred Grounds, uh, opening for Left to Vanish. Yeah, I remember all that, dude. For <laughs> and like sure. one one dead, three wounded. Yep. Oh man, yeah. But uh, I remember that night there was like a riot uh, during Left to Vanish's set where they like mm. called like the paddy wagons in, and someone like um. you know how like there was the hill where like, the driveway was, and then b- there was a kind of, like, below it was the, the playground and stuff for the school there. Wow. A kid drove off of that into the playground <laughs> with the cops all around, like, they were trying to get out, and they, like, put it into forward instead of reverse, and, like, drove, they, they like, towed the car out with, like, a crane. It was wild. Wild but at the, they, the they called the, fucking, the church. They called the state police. It was nuts. Wow. And that was my band's last show. We had nothing to do with the riot, unfortunately. That would have been a great way to go out. But Left of Vantage, like tore the place down. It was great. Oh, it was man. great. It was Everybody great. almost died. It was amazing. Oh, no, I love that. I, I Any show where the state police shows up, because like the one person who doesn't know what a show is supposed to look like is there. <laughs> well, right behind that place, there was uh, a VFW, the... Fairless Hills, yeah, VFW. I think okay. it was called. We'll just call it that. And sure. I think that's what it was called. But uh, Peter put on a show with our other friend Tom called Twenty Minute Fest. So it was like ten bands over. It was twenty bands over two days, and it might have been more than ten bands. It was like, you know, but it was like the Ataris with, uh, you know, Neil Perry. So like the the, 
the <laughs> genre melting. Was yeah, Jesus Christ, nonstop. So I didn't, I didn't know any of those guys then. That was when I still went to Notre Dame. So okay. there's pictures of me at this show with my friends, like standing next to you know people who I'd be playing in bands with now. That's cool. which is pretty cool. When yeah. you look back at seeing pictures of that show, I was like, damn, I'm like right next to these like people who'd be like me, you know, my lifers. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah I love I love it when that yeah. stuff happens. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, even just seeing some of the like people that were in some of these bands, like uh, like in Marigold, I was like, like the later era of Marigold when Vadim left and it, like mm-hmm. PJ Bond took over oh, on yeah. vocals for some reason. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it was like an un- I don't think there's any recorded material of Marigold at that time that's not on like trapped on MySpace. That is, you know, I don't think they ever put out anything physical. I can't speak to that. Was, I don't. Was Nick in it at that point? No, Nick. Nick was gone no. at that time. Yeah. Uh, they, once they put out the record, Nick was out of there. That's that makes <laughs> well, sense. But then he was torn with he was with Algernon, you know, right. and then. Uh, but yeah, it's what a while. Yeah, I remember going to like the four four nine room and like the, the conduit in Trenton. The conduit, right? Seeing all kinds. Of, oh man, yeah, nostalgia again. But it it, it is funny though, like just how much was going on at the time and now like i said it feels like i none of it's going on because i'm so far unplugged from it unfortunately but i've just started like going back to shows again on our because i was a music photographer for years right and then i just got so burnt out on it like going to shows three nights a week i was just like oh my god like and i i started going back and it's it's funny because it's aligning with these bands that are now doing these reunion or these anniversary shows yeah, like I just saw, I saw Glassjaw do Worship and Tribute and Silence. I just saw Thursday do Full Collapse. I I gotta get tickets for you guys in Brooklyn because <laughs> I feel like it's just like I I need to relive these moments again. But like, even seeing Thursday just felt like you know, just reliving those moments, you know. Oh yeah. And I mean, I seeing you guys would just be like, uh, I mean, I remember the one of the best nights ever was Snowing's last show at the church. Like the amount of energy in that room is will never be matched. I don't think. <laughs> I was, think I think it will be. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I saw, uh, you know, younger bands. I mean, not to take anything away from Snowing, the, the you know the, the place was on fire and they crushed it, but uh, yeah. and they deserve all of it. But uh, there's still that energy still exists. I know. I want to. You know, we might just it. not like it as much, or think it's <laughs> one thing or the other thing. But yeah. like, it's still there, and kids are still fucking freaking for stuff that they love. Yeah. Like I yeah, saw yeah. Um, uh, Carly Cosgrove at the church. Oh, like okay. a newer, um, yeah. You know the emo adjacent type of thing. Yeah, and yeah. People were freaking out, and I brought. I just uh, uh, Rob, who runs Saddle Creek, happened to be like in town for the weekend i was like yo i'm going to this thing you should come and he even even he was like wow i haven't fucking seen anything like this and like that's cool. kind of like pure energy of like you know this untapped you know non yeah. uh pretentious i guess i guess enjoyment. to say i haven't been to many shows recently that wasn't full of other people who look just like me in the like, sure. age range because you know people going to see glass jaw they're all, you know, in their mid to late 30s. IPA in the not arm yeah. folded hand, not <laughs> yep. in their head. Yep, yes. yep. And then, you know, seeing Thursday do a full collapse, especially just a bunch of dudes in their 30s. And, uh, and you know, so I haven't been to a show where it's like a newer crowd of, of punks. I've been yeah, to it. Those. was, it was, it was, 
I was so proud. I was like, this is, I'm so glad this exists and yeah. it's amazing. Well, do you, do you think Algernon has, uh, discovered like kind of, you know, have you grown a newer audience over the time between this reunion and, and when you guys broke up? I'm going to assume. Okay. I don't know. Or else these are going to be some empty fucking well, what, I, what I mean <laughs> is kind of like... fucking Warsaw, dog. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, no, okay. No, no. I mean, well, because they're... It's something that happens in the emo genre, I feel, especially. I mean, like, the fact that American football didn't get popular until they were, like, 10 years into being broken up. You know? Like, mm -hmm. they developed a very posthumous fan base. Uh... Because they were, like, kind of too early. And I feel like you guys were a little bit too early. Like, you opened the door to, like, what became, quote-unquote, the emo revival. Uh, and then you guys were gone kind of shortly after, and things kind of, the momentum kept going. But in terms of, like, the window you guys were a part of, it was pretty small. Like, how long was Algernon actually together in, like, a, like a pretty 100% band capacity? Eight years? And change, okay. okay. But like, yeah, and, and but I mean, like, it was it was a, the slowest start because yeah. like, everybody was playing in ten bands, so it wasn't like <laughs> we got to do this thing, we got to make it the best yeah. thing ever. It was like, oh, we're doing, you know, yeah, we're jamming with my friends. Well, and, yeah, you know, and I maybe think maybe we'll make a demo. I like, think okay, you... maybe we'll make a record, but like, not that was like the first record we ever made. So like, yeah, um, first practice in my basement to the first record was probably two or three years yeah yeah well i think maybe four I think years like the, the, there was no fire it didn't matter we we're just jamming and being kids yeah i think i think you actually put it best when you said like because i thinking about it it's, it's true like you guys never played a proper stage like during the entire time you were a band like you said the, the best was opening at the truck but you know the church that's sort of a stage you know but like the fact that you guys but that was like our second to last show you know i know in like a sold out church show but also yeah. you know it was i think joyce manor and tiger's jaw yeah it was uh one of those things but yeah like you said it's like now you're doing a tour of you know what it sold out uh union transfer and and things like that like it's cool to kind of see that momentum keep going for your band even though you're not putting out new material and stuff and like i think like parrot flies i think really found its audience like after you guys broke up you know like that record is fantastic and i feel like it got overshadowed by the previous record but like in terms of a second lp like it's it's fucking great like the evolution you guys went it just like honed everything in Thank and <laughs> yeah no i feel like it's it's a super i feel like it's finally being appreciated man but, i uh, almost want to be mean you're being so nice. Like, I hey, listen. Yo, I've, never actually, I've never heard it. Oh, I mean, it's, I think so, that shit sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's, no, it's 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 something I I've like stated with like Keith and everyone too. It's like what I love about this industry, like this area of music, is like I'm very fortunate to say, and I'm sure Andrew feels the same way, and I'm sure Joe, you feel the same way. Is like a lot of my favorite bands are people I know personally. And I feel like there's not many areas of music where people can say that, you know. I and... wish that was true. Davey Von Bolin of Coles. <laughs> yeah, fucking give me. We a need call. to get senior <laughs> accountant Davey Von Bolin on this pod. But, uh, but yeah, no, like it's nice to be able to say like, oh, I have a personal connection with these people who make some of my favorite music, and you know, it's it, these people are attainable, and they're not some kind of you know crazy rock star mentality bullshit. You're like, there's it's so unpretentious. 
and uh, I don't know. It's just it. It's I've like, seen some crazy rock star mentality bullshit <laughs> in this scene. Thank you very well, much. Well, no, it it certainly exists. But like I said, it's it's nice that I could say a lot of my favorite bands are people I know personally. Joe, do you think that the world's as rosy as Dan's saying right now? Do you think everybody's as nice as he's saying? Everybody, I mean, no. But you know, at the end of the day, there are they are just people. Right. Not yeah, not not everybody is my favorite bands you know i'm just saying like there's bands i have a per a connection to on a on a music level and a personal level and i feel like it's a nice it's not mutually exclusive but it's a nice little extra thing to say it like is. oh it counts for extra yeah it is yeah. nice <laughs> <laughs> i mean oh, man you got emo extra credit what are you gonna do with it <laughs> hey, come on i'm trying to have a it? i'm being genuine over here okay <laughs> No, it's 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 just cool to be, you know, it's cool to have people on this podcast and talk and people who are, you know, it's it's cool to be able to connect with these people. Like, you know, having Keith on is, you know, having you on as well. It's like we haven't been face to face in like the decade. And totally. it's nice it to, is it's nice because like, like, I mean, I, I haven't talked to Keith in forever. I, I'm, I'll listen to his podcast. I, you know, I yeah. would like to I would like to catch up with you. It's great. It's yeah. with, and you it, know, it's just been fun to have an excuse to talk to people. And yeah. that's, that's what I love about this. So uh, do you have any final thoughts on, on owls? Either of you? <laughs> no, I think that thing said, said my piece about that. Yeah, no, I think it was, like I said, it, just the fact that, wait, who did this album cover? That's, I think that's what I meant to ask. Oh, there's a graphic designer listed on the Wikipedia. I want to know who did the the second album cover. With I the, think I is think, that a picture of one of the Gallagher brothers with like blood in his eyes. I actually think that Neil told me that that Neil the second the second Owls cover is something Tim made for the first record, but Jay Tree wouldn't let him do it. No, no. They uh, specific, I think the first one where they just made the collages for it. Right. They just did the exact same process. Four of them separately made the collages for it. Did you guys get that? Uh, yeah, we got it. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, I think was Sam's the one with just uh, didn't the Oasis guy dead? separately from each other. They just like whatever they were was going to be the numbers. Oh wow. There you go. I love that. Yeah. Oh, man. I love the amount of insider information we have yeah. <laughs> right now at our fingertips. He probably has, you guys can interview him. He knows more than I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, is, do you have Tim Kinsella upstairs, too? Yeah, can, we channel, <laughs> can we channel Tim, please? Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. No, this is this has been a fucking blast. It's it's great to see you. Great to connect with you again. Uh, what do you, you got? Anything to plug? What, what should people check out? Of yours that you got going on. You're very busy. Very busy. No, nothing that hasn't been plugged. All right. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll say if you want to record a record, hit you up. Go see Go see Hop Along. How, how much longer the tour you're on? Where are you going next? Uh, just, just five days left or something like that. Yeah. Right. This won't be out in time. But get your tickets to the Algernon, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Algernon tour this fall. Check it out. Uh, stuff's already selling out, which is fucking awesome. No, it's very exciting. Yeah, hell yeah. So I gotta, I gotta buy my ticket myself. <laughs> I'm so bad at buying tickets. Um, it Joe, might be the- I, I forgot to ask you. I'm sorry. Sure, I didn't sure. mean to interrupt. How's my guy Mark Water? Ah, the best. I was on the phone with him right before uh, I picked up with you guys. I, I just I got back him. from tour. How do you, how do y'all know each other? So that's crazy. Um, I, uh, I used to work. I used to do audio for. Uh, Princeton University, PSAV, P- 
Princeton University. Oh, Oh, right. He went to Princeton. Right. And so I had started doing stuff with the theater department, and they were doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh huh. Um, kind of like rotating through small rooms throughout, like the school. It was mm-hmm. a wild, wild concept. I think they did ten, ten performances. And I, I, I worked a PA. That was the uh, extent of my my AV. It's awesome show. But Mark was the lead in that. Mm-hmm. Kind of kept in touch. And when he was working in headroom, I was like, well, that's a weird, you know, collision. I didn't know that he was uh active in that world. Oh yeah, he's he 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 basically is the head rep now. He he runs it day wow, to day. That's cool. Yeah, he's 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 the guy. Wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, love Mark. Yeah, um, Same Z's booty train. If he if he hears this, all right. It was an inside <laughs> joke. Okay, how <laughs> can I have an inside joke? It's it's booty train. He can tell you if he wants. Um, Dan, what do you have to plug? <laughs> oh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dan Bassini. Uh, DanBassini dot com. Uh, new book, No Invite, Volume Eight. Go buy some stuff. Uh, Andrew, what do you got to plug? Um, you can reach me on Twitter at Run in the Number Two the Ground. Um, that was not an artistic decision. It's just not enough characters. Um, you know the Instagram Run into the Ground. Uh, I have a question. A is anybody listening? But B, uh, if you're listening, um. <laughs> Like, should we ask questions or should we have people share anecdotes, personal anecdotes about the records we're going to talk about just like as a little color commentary from the listenership? Uh, If you think that'd be a cool idea, uh, hit it up on Instagram because I'd love to hear that. Hell yeah. And that's and, uh, it. That was the only time I've ever posed a question to the I, listeners. I so. love posing questions All to our captive audience. Uh, yeah, and also, I think by the time this comes out, we'll have our Run Into the Ground mixtape volume 7 uh, linked in the description. Please like, review, follow, subscribe, tell everyone. Don't get left behind. Joe, absolute pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. I know you, you have a day off today and you spent it talking to us, so... Very I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'll call you tomorrow then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, everybody else. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody else. I know it must be rough. You're so much smarter than your friends. Rehearse disaster. Forecast every need. I danced early, then got shy and had to go. Talk!